Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Well, y'all rowdy tonight. Come on, let's pray. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Open your Bible to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I always bring your Bible to church. Your Bible is the most powerful piece of literature that you will ever come in contact with, but it will do you absolutely no good if you do not get it in yourself. You have to know it, then you have to believe it, which is why it is so dangerous to live your life without it. Because once once you get the Word of God on the inside of you, and you begin to live off of its words, revelation becomes the norm in your life. Revelation is the word of God revealed to you. Because even Jesus said that you're not supposed to live off of bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when you begin to get the word of God on the inside of you, it comes alive. How many of you remember what it felt like when you got born again? I mean, it's not like it was first, maybe it was the first time for you, but a lot of times it's not the first time you heard the story. Something was revealed to you. That's revelation. You give your life to God, and now all of a sudden, that element of God that is breathed into you, that element of God that is deposited inside of you, it is not supposed to live off of just what the world uh, can give you as information goes. And you can spend the rest of your life reading every self-help book. You can spend the rest of your life reading every good business book. And you can be successful in the world's eyes, but you will never be satisfied outside of following after the will of God in your life. Sooner or later, you will be found wanting. Sooner or later, you will be found wanting. And I'm not saying don't read the business books. I think every, I think we ought to be wise as serpents, but harmless as dove, the Bible says. So for us, it, the, the Word of God is not an option. And if you, if you don't know how to read the Bible, start with the book of John. Get you a translation that you can understand. It's, it's super easy to get one on a phone or an iPad or a computer now. Read the book of John and look for whatever Jesus said. When Jesus talks, that's God talking. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So you read, and then any part of it you don't understand, you keep reading. He said, well, that doesn't make any sense. If I don't understand it, I should just stop. Then you should have stopped in kindergarten. There's a lot of stuff you didn't understand. The teacher said, look, it's going to make sense later. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Our, our, our oldest just finished her first semester of college, and I was helping her with math, and I happen to be very good at math, but there's some stuff that I was sitting there just crossing my eyes. I was like, I don't even know what's happening here. And I finally just told her, so we're just going to have to keep going. Maybe something's going to pop up later and explain what we're talking about now. That's what happens with the Bible. you got to keep going. When you don't understand it, you keep going. You know, that, that, that'll fix a lot of your problems in life if you'll just keep going. You ever heard this? Showing up's half the battle? Yeah, if you just stay focused in the Word of God to get it in you. So when it, when it comes time to go to church, uh, 
it's really, honestly, it's like going to school. Except we're not, you know, talking about stuff that you're only going to use like 1% of the rest of your life. We're talking about stuff you're going to use every single day. And, I, and I'm, not a, I'm not a preacher that preaches things that you cannot put in practice. I am a preacher and a teacher that if you'll pay attention, you can literally put this in practice right now. Because that's what the Word of God is for. It is not just to be, just not, it's not just to be heard. The Bible says, matter of fact, Jesus' brother, half-brother James, he made a comment one time. He said, you're not supposed to be hearers of the Word only, but doers. And so the Word of God is supposed to be done. So when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, you're really supposed to love people. <laughs> like it's a real thing. So when he says, by his stripes, you're healed, that's not allegory. That's not, that's, not a, that's not a lifeless metaphor. That is the power of God. When a person begins to believe it, now all of a sudden you have the opportunity to walk in it. But our job is to find out what it says and to stand on what it says until it manifests here. Because at the very nature of who a born-again believer is, you are supposed to be a kingdom ambassador that helps him bring the kingdom of God that is there all the way down here so that people can see there is a God in heaven who loves his people. That's what a kingdom, that's what a kingdom person is. You're an ambassador. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be able to do much for God, if anything. It's over. I mean, it's not over, over, but it's over for what you're actually going to do for God. Because what he cares about is people. And the people who know him are there. So you can't witness to anybody about Jesus in heaven because they all know him. So when he said, go make disciples, he didn't mean when you get to glory. Come on, somebody. He meant tell your friends and family about Jesus. Tell them about how I don't understand everything yet, but I'm telling you, I'm different. Something happened on the inside of me. I don't feel this weight that I used to carry around. He has made me free. I'm not what I used to be. I'm this new creature in Christ Jesus, and I can't explain it all to you, but if you'll give him a chance, I believe he'll do for you what he's done for me. Can't do that in heaven. There's no healing crusades in heaven. Nobody's sick. There are no Kleenexes in heaven. And nobody's crying. It's, it's, it's a place filled with grandeur and beauty and, and, and just all the amazing things that God has for his children. But the only way that you can access these things and bring them about is literally you got to find out what the Bible says. Everybody say this. The Bible, the Bible. is not old-fashioned. The Bible is the bread of life. And I'm going to consume it all the days of my life. Now give God a hand for his Bible. Thank you for your word, Jesus. All right, Acts chapter number one. The Bible says that Jesus showed himself alive after his passion. This is verse three, Acts chapter one. By many infallible truths, being seen of them 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded. Somebody say commanded. He commanded them. That they should not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says you have heard, which he said you've heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Everybody say command. If Jesus commanded it, I think we ought to pay attention to it. He said, don't leave till you have the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to try to wrap up this series tonight by giving some keys 
that, that, that being baptized in the Holy Spirit brings about. But I want to talk specifically about the four events that have affected humanity. The first one is when mankind was created and formed and the breath of life was breathed into him. Now, you got to think about it. All mankind really is, is, is the dust of the ground with God in it at that time. So mankind was raised up out of the ground and God breathed the breath of life, the Holy Spirit, into Adam. Then in Acts chapter number 3, Adam and Eve sinned. And the Holy Spirit, which is pure and clean, cannot live in a vessel that is not clean. So you have the Holy Spirit living in humanity and then the Holy Spirit has to exit humanity. Then you have Jesus Christ who comes uh, uh, years and years later and he gives his life as a living sacrifice after living perfect for 33 and a half years or so and he paid the price for you and for me with his own life. Then he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. In other words, you had mankind that was filled with, that was created uh, that was created, formed, and filled. Then mankind was effectively uh, uh, vacated because something clean can't live in something dirty because it gets dirty. Does this make sense? How many have kids? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Why do kids wear their socks outside all the time? If a kid walks outside in a pair of socks, the socks look like outside. The reason why is because they touched outside. If the Holy Spirit poured himself into something that wasn't clean, he would look like what he was touching. So mankind needed the, 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 the grace of God to come in, the blood of Jesus, to wash us white as snow. And now we have become, humanity is now a candidate to receive the Holy Spirit again. In Acts chapter number 2, there came a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And the entire place was shaken. And the Bible says that fire, cloven tongues of fire, rested on everybody. And the Holy Spirit filled everybody that was there. And they all began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. This was the fourth eternity-altering event that took place and affected humanity. Humanity was formed, it was created, formed, and filled. That is, mankind walking around with the Holy Spirit on the inside. Mankind lost the capability to house the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ comes from heaven, lives a perfect life, pays the price for sin and death, defeats death, hell, and the grave, resurrects, then ascends, and he makes us now possible, those of us who would believe, we are now possible to be clean because we are possible to be filled because we have been clean. And then in Acts chapter number two, the absolute out, the outpouring began to take place again and we see that everything was put back where it was because in Genesis chapter number two, mankind was filled with the Holy Spirit whenever God breathed into his nostrils and in Acts chapter number two, mankind had the opportunity to be filled exactly like it was back then. Does this make sense? So one of the characteristics that happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit that every believer has the opportunity to do is to pray in tongues or to speak in tongues. Now, you'll have to go back. I've preached on this for a couple of weeks now, so go back. We even had a great question and answer session. But I'm going to be the first to admit, speaking in tongues, if you are not like, if you're not actively doing it, you haven't been around that, it's weird as a three-headed duck. I mean, if you're talking to people who've never seen anything like this, never, and then we all just start speaking in tongues, I'm telling you, it looks weird to the outside world. 
But the Bible said we're going to be a peculiar group. He didn't say we're going to be like what we were. He said you're going to be different from here on out. So again, you and me don't have the legal right to change the Bible just because some people aren't comfortable with it. And I'm always really kind of taken back at people describing not operating in the spirit for the sake of making people comfort, comfortable when the Bible calls the Holy Ghost the comforter. I've been in incredibly tense, should be nerve-wracking, stressed out situations in my life. And praying in the Holy Spirit, I just felt like I was sleeping on a couch or something. Because the Holy Spirit can bring comfort that the world can't offer. So if, if we exclude Him from the equation, it's not like you can't go through it, you just can't go through it with Him. I keep calling Him, I keep calling Him a Him because so many times there, there is a, there is a concept of an it. Like, like for instance, you come into church and, 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 and there's a, there's a, there's a, we had a great service and, and, and we really sensed the power of God. And, and, you know, the concept can be like this. And I don't mean this harsh, but, but, but I just want to mention it. The concept is like that. Boy, it was really great in there tonight. No, 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 no. He was great in there tonight. When we began to treat the Holy Spirit like a person of the Godhead, we will experience more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. And that doesn't detract from my relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't detract from my relationship with the Father. Because all of them are three in one. You say, how is that? Well, the same way water works. Water is H2O. But you can find it in vapor. You can find it in water, liquid. And you can find it in ice. But if you put it under a microscope, it's still H2O. The Holy Spirit is God, Jesus is God, and the Father is God. And if we talk all day long about what Jesus did, and we talk all day long about what the Father, that the Father's sitting on the throne, and we ignore the fact that the Holy Spirit is the member of the Godhead that was dispatched from heaven to help us and comfort us in this dispensation, you are literally excluding one-third of the Godhead instead of celebrating that third of the Godhead. So when you get born again, now you're a candidate to be filled with the Spirit. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you're not born again. That's how in the Old Testament, when the prophets would prophesy, it would talk about the Spirit of God would come upon them. Samson, the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would have great strength in a moment. But as soon as Acts chapter 2 gets here, now every believer has the opportunity to be filled, not just have the Holy Spirit come upon you. Now you're a house of the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't say you're a temple of the Father. It doesn't even say you're a temple of Jesus. It says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it says the Holy Ghost, but a lot of times people don't like the word Holy Ghost. I love the word Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, I love to remind my children and anybody who else wants to listen, there's only one ghost, the Holy Ghost. Anything else it, it, it may be there, may not be there, whatever, but a demon has no authority. I could give two foots about them, to be honest with you. They have no strength compared to the strength that you walk in. So now, as a candidate for the Holy Spirit, the way that you receive Him is the same way you received the, you received salvation. It's by faith. 
By faith means you're not going to understand everything at the jump. By faith means you're not going to see everything from the, from the beginning of your walk. The scripture says that he sees the end from the beginning. But it says you see through a glass darkly. One translation is like a, like a fogged up window. That's how you see. It's not like you can't see anything. It's just like you don't have all the details. So when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, you receive him exactly like you received Jesus or exactly like you received salvation and the sacrifice that Jesus made is it's by faith. So whenever you receive the Holy Spirit, now all of a sudden you are walking around like Adam walked around with God in the garden. You can commune with God. God will speak to you. But what happens is now all of a sudden you have a power that you did not have before. There are countless believers walking around with no more power than, than you know, a gym sock. Well, I'm stuck on socks tonight. Because the Holy Spirit is what is the power on the planet right now. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, now all of a sudden, you can actually, you can actually say something and all of creation begins to respond to it. And that's why, that's, that's how you begin to see your life begin to pan out with your words and you realize that your words are literally prophesying your future because the power of life and death is in your mouth and the reason is, is because you're supposed to have that element of God on the inside of you. So as a believer, when you get born again, uh, there are people that are filled with the Spirit the day that they're born again. They begin to speak in other tongues at the same time. Praise the Lord if that's you. But for me, that wasn't the case. I lived for God for 18 or 19 years before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I have no idea why it took so long. But I know this. If I would have stopped believing God and pressing for that beautiful encounter, I still would not be filled with the Holy Spirit. I could have just torn Acts chapter number 1 and 2 out of my Bible. Could have just started with Acts chapter number 3. Could have talked all about the man at the gate called beautiful. Could have just started right there and began with the whole deal. But instead, I had people in my life, thank God, that says, look, you know, you don't have to, you know, whatever. I had other people say this. Don't ever listen to anybody that says this. Just fake it. Don't ever do that. That's stupid. I'm, I'm too real of a person to fake anything. That's the truth. But I had people in my life that said, look, now you just keep pressing. I kept pressing, kept pressing, kept pressing, kept pressing. And I can tell you this much. It wasn't because God didn't want to fill me. It was because there were there were... There was an element of, of, of uncertainty that I hadn't come to grips with personally. And it requires faith for you to walk in this, okay? But as soon as that, as that beautiful encounter happens with you, you begin to get just an outlandish amount of traits that are available to you that you didn't have before. I'm going to go through a few of them tonight. So if you're taking notes, I would, I would highly recommend jotting these down because I'm going to give you some of the reasons why praying in tongues every day is so critical. Number one, it is a sign or evidence that you have been filled like Jesus said you can be. You ever go to a, to a store and maybe the, you bought a product and it didn't work like it was supposed to, so they had to take it back. First thing they want to see is the receipt. Praying in other tongues is the receipt that you received what you said, what he said you could have. Praying in tongues is your evidence. Somebody say evidence. 
your, your evidence of salvation is not going to happen until you're standing on golden streets. Now, I'm not talking about you've changed. I'm not talking about, you know, I feel different, I look different, I smell different, I wear different clothes, whatever. We can all argue about that. But the day you know the receipt, the evidence that you're born again is the day you're standing in glory. But the day that you know the receipt that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is the day that what the Bible said that everybody did when they were filled with the Holy Spirit begins to happen in your life. So it's an evidence. Number one, it's an evidence. Number two, it's for edification. Somebody say edification. That's the same place that we get the word edifice from. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is very important. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. Somebody say edifies. What that means is, is it builds you up. Furthermore, it doesn't just say your spirit. It says himself. Your whole self is built up. When you pray in the spirit, your entire self, the word edifice uh, uh, can be translated to a building and in particularly a large overwhelming building. Like if you ever been to like, like downtown Houston or New York and you walk up to a skyscraper and it's just overwhelming. You walk up to Kyle Field, it's just an overwhelming situation. You know, it's a huge building. It says, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're building yourself up to be an overwhelming force in the realm that we live in right now. You salespeople, you're going out cold calling people. You've had 15 no's all day long. I dare you to sit in your car and pray in the Holy Spirit for about five minutes before you walk in. You'll start feeling like King Kong again. Because your whole self gets built up. You were not designed to live with all of, with only the world's emotions. You were designed to live by the Word of God, by the power of God. And one of the greatest opportunities that a believer has is to build themselves up praying in the Holy Spirit. I was listening to one of my own sermons the other day. I thought, man, that guy can preach. And, and a, a friend of mine was talking to me about that sermon, so I wanted to listen back to it and make sure, you know, what he, what he was saying. And I was listening to it, and I said, uh, I said, man, I said, I'll just be honest with you. I said, I listened to it, and I just got happy all over again. My faith got built up. And all I could think about was how David you went into a cave, and the Bible said he encouraged himself. I guarantee you, if David would have been, had the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that brother had been speaking in tongues all day long. Probably would have left Bathsheba alone. Because when you pray in the Spirit, you, you are edifying yourself. Another word for edifice is a complex set of virtues, values, or beliefs. That means when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're building like a, like a, like a, like a, like a spider web of belief. Your spirit is building you up, praying by the Spirit 
through the Spirit, with the Spirit, things that you don't even know you need to pray. You can literally change your whole life praying in tongues. I'm living proof. Number three, it is a reminder that you are not alone. Oh, that hit like a ton of bricks in this place. Thank you for that, Jesus. You ever been alone? I mean, alone. Everything you thought was going to work out didn't work out. And you just feel alone. You know what God said about that? He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Because when we get alone, we start second-guessing everything we've ever done and thought. When we get alone, we start questioning everything, every decision. What could I have done different to make this not happen? Oh, my gosh, I did it again. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, it is a reminder that you're not alone at all. The Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. The Spirit of God, He doesn't just dwell on the inside of you. He literally will make intercession for you. Well, I feel the presence of God. Number four. Open to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter number 8. It's right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter number 8. We'll start in verse 26. I love the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we should, as we ought. But the Spirit itself, one translation says, but the Spirit, by the Spirit, makes intercession for us with groanings and utterances, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints. Listen to this beautiful passage. According to the will of God. Number four. It helps your weaknesses. Come on, you got some weaknesses. You got some things that if given enough rope, you'll find your way back to it. Self-doubt, unbelief, insecurities, a sin that's just a magnet to who you are. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God helps your weaknesses. It's like your, your kids when they're small and they're walking in a parking lot. The first thing they need to do is grab you by the hand. Not because they can't walk, but because in their condition, they might not be able to see everything that you see. 
So when you pray in the Spirit, He helps your infirmities. Number five, you pray the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. Most people, most people never said to me, I don't want to pray. But I've had tons of people tell me, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. What should I pray? Well, praying in tongues answers all that. That doesn't eliminate us from praying in what's called, the Bible says, calls it the, in our understanding. Which I could teach for literally an hour on the word understand. Because when you pray in your understanding, you're praying in what you stand under. But when you pray in tongues, you're praying the perfect will of God. Thank you for the attention tonight. It feels like like a, I feel like a like a like it's more like a classroom lecture or something. The perfect will of God, so you don't have to wonder. What should I pray all the time? You can just say, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for intervening, for interceding for my family. I was in Louisiana one time doing everything I could to get back to Texas. And I went into a gas station. Me, a friend of mine was with me. went to a gas station, and a guy cut in front of me in line at the gas station. I was in there getting, you know, a granola bar and a, and a, and a cup of water. <laughs> anyway, this guy cuts in front of me. And he had on a Corona Extra hat. To be honest with you, it was a really cool looking hat. It was like, uh, like a cowboy hat in the front. I mean, it was a cap, but the material was like straw in the front. It looked awesome. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a beer drinker. I'm not a drinker at all, but the hat looked cool. And I was like, this guy just cut me in line. And I got all these scriptures flying through my head. I'm like, doesn't he know? Touch not my anointed. Do him no harm. Don't, don't eat him, Lord. Don't send any bears to eat him. Just let him buy his hot tamales. The candy kind. And let him get out of here. And I'm sitting there, and begin to, uh, I begin to walk out back to the vehicle. And I see this guy kind of speed off in the parking lot, and my, my eyes were just fixated on that hat again. And I had the thought, why do I care about this guy's hat so much? And we got to a bridge in Lake Charles. And there's a big bridge uh, in Lake Charles that goes over, I don't know, I guess it's a river. I don't know. Does anybody know? Just shout it out. Lake Pontchartrain? I mean, it's an awesome bridge. Our lakes are too big for that in Texas. I mean, we put, we put like bridges over like rivers and, but lakes, no. Moving on. I'm driving up to the bridge that goes over, you know, Lake Pontchartrain. And all of a sudden, there's a wreck in front of us. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we're slowed down. We're pulling up, rubbernecking the whole way. You know what I'm talking about. And it's clear that everybody's okay. You know, somebody rear-ended somebody, probably looking at the beautiful lake. 
And I look over and there are guys standing there on the phone, obviously calling somebody a wrecker or whatever. And as I drove by, I realized it was that Corona hat. And God is my witness. As we're driving by, the Holy Spirit said to me, that was for you. But you prayed in the Spirit and I interceded for you. And now you can drive right back to Texas with no harm. I'm telling you, you can pray in the Holy Spirit and you can miss some stuff that's been assigned to you. Because the enemy has a plan for you just like God has a plan for you. The difference is God's plan is to prosper you and to cause you to see great things happen in your life. The enemy has a plan to derail you. The enemy has a plan to slow you down. But you can pray in the Spirit and literally the Holy Spirit by the Spirit will pray the perfect will of God over your life. And you can drive straight back to where you are going while everybody else has to pick up the pieces. Number six, is that where we're at? Open your Bible to Jude chapter 20. Excuse me, Jude uh, verse 20. There's only one chapter. Jude verse 20. It's the last book of the Bible before the revelation. And if you wanted to, it'd be very valuable to you to read the book of Jude because it was strategically placed right before the revelation. And I personally believe if you read the book of Jude, you will see prophetically where we are today. I personally believe that. Verse number 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost. Number six. Praying in the Holy Spirit builds up your most holy faith. Builds yourself on your faith. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is Sinking sand. If you do not build on the rock, it doesn't matter what kind of structure you create. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are building yourself up on your most holy faith, which is the thing that you stand on as you stand under the anointing that God has put on your life. Number seven. Flip back to 1 Corinthians 14. This is like some Bible gymnastics. Thanks, Jake. I'm going to tell you all what. If nobody else gets it, Jake gets it. That Rimmert family, you better watch them. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27. If any man speaks in an unknown tongue... Let it be by two, or at most by three, and that one interprets. But if there be no interpreter, let them keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself, listen to this, and to God. When you pray in tongues, you are talking to God. We're on seven. Number seven, praying in tongues speaks to God on your behalf. It keeps the communication line open. 
You ever heard this scripture? It's kind of a wild one if you don't have a revelation on it. Pray without ceasing. How can anybody do that when you've got so much work to do all day? You can speak to God in tongues. All day, every day. You can be doing spreadsheets, praying in tongues. Some of you, when you're doing your taxes, you probably are. You can pray in tongues all day. And when you do it, you're talking to God. Slide up there to verse 2. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit, listen to this, he speaks mysteries. Number eight. That word mysteries in some translations is, is translated divine secrets. I swear it feels like you're cheating through life. Like a cheat code in a video game. Like, like starting at the 10 yard line instead of back wherever you would have started. When you're praying in tongues, literally, you pray out things that the world doesn't even have a concept of. Divine mysteries. The supernatural. Things beginning to, to move and to line up as you pray because you're praying out mysteries. You know what else is beautiful about praying in tongues? The devil doesn't understand you. When you pray in the understanding, well, number one, when you pray in the understanding, always pray in line with the will of God as you know it. That means you got to find out what the will of God so you can figure out how to pray. When you pray, you don't just ask God if he'll do something. Because half the time, you could literally be being offensive by doing that. There's nothing God can't do. So if you're asking God if he can do something, you're already wrong. And if you start asking God something he's already said yes about, instead of just thanking him for doing it and standing on the word, you're literally asking him for something he's already showed us in the Bible that he wants to do already. Our job is not to sit there and question God all day. Our job is to find out what's God willing to do and then stand on what God's willing to do until we see what God says come to pass in our life. But when you pray in tongues, uh, when you pray in the understanding, even when, even when you're praying, the enemy can hear it. Now, it doesn't mean that he'll get victory, but it does mean he knows what you're saying. But when you pray in the Spirit, the enemy has no clue. It drives him nuts. That's why when, when you're, even in a moment like this, there's nothing wrong with just going through the entire service. Just, you know, don't do it too loud where, where nobody else can hear what's going on. But praying in the Holy Spirit right under your breath. Because you're praying out these beautiful mysteries, you're talking to God. You're literally having the, the, the hand of God move in your life and praying divine secrets out. You know, life moves at the speed of relationships. All you got to do is meet the right person at the right time. And you, you, could, you, could have, you could have something, you know, pop off instantaneously. I had, I had a guy not long ago. He said to me, this is what he said to me. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying this is what he said to me. He said, he said, yeah, I got this problem going on, whatever. He said, but the judge is a friend of mine. He didn't say I wasn't wrong. He didn't say I'm right. He didn't say it's invalid. He just said the judge is a friend of mine. I'm not saying that's right, but how many of you know there's power in a relationship? 
Number eight, Isaiah chapter 28. It's in the Old Testament. Flip back there. Isaiah chapter 28, right after Song of Solomon. This is wild. God was setting us up this whole time. This is a prophecy. It's the Lord prophesying what it was going to be like when people spoke in tongues. Isaiah 28, verse 11, verse 11. With stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to his people? Is that in your Bible? To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Did you know when you pray in tongues, you can actually receive rest? There's seasons in your life. I'm in one of them right now. I don't have that much time to sleep. I'm going to need some supernatural rest. I got too much going on to be turning it off, turning it off too early. So you're going to need some supernatural rest. You pray in tongues, you can, you can rest, you can receive rest while you're praying in tongues. And th- this is what I love. What was this, number nine, Jagger, number eight? Can we just go back to Lake Pontchartrain for a minute and just start over? Cause the weary to rest, and listen to this. And this is the refreshing. Are you are you feeling depleted? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Are you feeling down? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Are you exhausted? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Do you need to? You know what? You know what refreshed is, don't you? So, anytime you put R E on the front of a word, it means to do it again. Does that make sense? So what he's saying is, you can be fresh again. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, stammering lips, you can be refreshed, made new. It's almost like being regenerated in a moment. You got time for one more? Go back over to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 15. No, yep, 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I love singing in the Holy Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say, Amen? at you giving thanks, seeing he understands not what you said. For verily, for thou verily give thanks well, but the other, speaking of your understanding, is not edified. What he said is, if you just sing in the Spirit and, and, and pray in the Spirit, you're giving thanks well, but your understanding is not edified. 
So when you pray in tongues, you're thanking God very well. How many of you ever forgot to thank God for something? I've prayed for stuff, and God's done it, and it'll be, be, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm so sorry that I forgot to thank you for that. When the reality is, I was probably thanking Him for it the whole time while I was praying in the Spirit. Here's just another little tidbit. It says, how can a room filled with the unlearned say amen when you give thanks? Do you know what he just did? He just tried to describe what the New Testament church is supposed to look like. When a minister gives thanks, the New Testament church is supposed to say, that's why the devil likes quiet churches because they don't line up with the word. Because if you can't be thankful out loud here, are you going to do it at the grocery store? Please. What are you, what are you going to do on the job site? That pipe stem's coming down and you got to deal with all that? Is that when you're going to do it? No, you got to get, you got to get good. This is training ground right here. This is equipping ground. This is where we, we figure out how to live for God. And then we walk out of here and we do it. And so when we're speaking with our understanding, we're speaking in English. When somebody says something that you agree with and you want it to apply in your life, you're supposed to respond because when something becomes a twice spoken word, now all of a sudden it's sharp enough to divide and show you the perfect will of God. But it can't happen if we're just sitting on our thumbs. Don't you ever let the Dallas Cowboys, or God forbid, the Houston Texans ever conjure up more excitement out of you than you have for the word of the living God. An unjust balance is an abomination to God. If you get, if you get, you know, if you lose your whole mind when the Astros win, but you don't say boo about the blood of Jesus, then your balance and your scale is completely out of whack. I'm not saying you got to act like everybody, but you ought to act like something. Come on, you ought, you ought to act like something. Somebody ought to know you're, you're appreciative of the Holy Spirit. Somebody ought to know you're appreciative of the things of God. And he's saying, look, he said, if all you do is pray in tongues, he said, people aren't going to know when to say amen. He said, but if you walk up there and you say, the Lord God reigns, he never fails, he's the Alpha and the Omega, then they know when to say amen. If you just pray in tongues all day, nobody knows what you're saying. He said, but you're thanking God very well. Sometimes I just got a thankful, just there's a thankful vibe going on. And I just pray in tongues. Because I know a part of that is thanking is thanking the Lord. Last thing I'll mention. You can also interpret from time to time. Some people, it's a, it, it is a reference in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But it, it doesn't apply to every time tongues is, every time you pray in tongues, you won't necessarily interpret. If that was the case, every scripture I just read to you would be void. Because if we were always interpreting, why would he be referencing our understanding not knowing it? So there's a lot of praying in tongues. Matter of fact, the bulk of your life as you pray in tongues, you won't get an interpretation. But I'll be honest with you. Sometimes God's going to let you know what you just prayed. And man, it's a, it's a special thing when that happens. Sometimes it may be even in a service where somebody be praying in tongues and that person may interpret it. Or it could also be there's somebody else interpreting it. The beauty of that is this. It's an interpretation, not a translation. 
Because if, if somebody was speaking to me in Spanish and they were interpreting, I had an interpreter, they might not use word for word. They might just tell me what they said. A translation is word for word. What does this word translate to? But an interpretation is, let me get across what was trying to be said to you in a different language. So it might be 14 utterances or sounds in the spirit and 22 words. Because it's not a translation. It's an interpretation. Does this make sense? So this is a beautiful part of living for God. And those of you who are born again are candidates to receive the Holy Spirit. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.